Thanks for joining us today on the Harvest Podcast. Before we go to today's message, we want to invite you to check out our website, www.harvestagokc.com. Again, that's harvestagokc.com. Now here's today's message. We pray that it will bless your life as you listen. How many have your Bibles today? Your iPhone, iPad? How many have a Galaxy product? A few, a few. See, I'm so confused, I have one of each. I've got a Galaxy phone and an iPad tablet. It's all, you know, just trying to, trying to stay even. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. We're going to begin at verse number 24. Verse number 24. Another parable Jesus put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, an enemy has done this. The servant said to him, do you want us to go then and gather them up? But he said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Look with me today at verse number 26. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop. In other words, right at the moment when things were turning out the way that you expected, the way that you had wanted, then the tares also appeared. Seemingly, out of nowhere, they appeared. Now, from reading our text, the enemy is who sowed the tares. And the man in our text never saw it coming. Because he had sowed good seed and he was expecting a good harvest. And the thing is, he received a good harvest. But while getting the best of life, he also encountered the worst of life. Have you ever had to deal with a surprise? You know those times when you're just about ready to realize your dream, but then it happens. Well, many times in life, it happens in order to keep us from stepping into what God wants for our lives. Now, Jesus goes on to explain this parable beginning in verse 37. Now, Jesus is the sower. The good seeds are the children of the kingdom, and the tares are the children of the wicked. And did I say tares? I'm tares, tares, tares. Sorry, tares. Tares, weeds. I, I, but subconscious, you know, 
you know, I have a Galaxy and an iPad. So, you know, I mean, it, my mind's mixed up. There was no reference there to my sister. Don't, don't, don't think that. Don't tell her anything. She's not here, so she's free game. So the enemy, of course, is the devil. And so we have the story in its own right, but then Jesus is also teaching us other kingdom principles in this same parable. Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven is like the man who sowed seeds in his field. So one of these kingdom principles is sowing and reaping. In other words, if you sow certain things, you have the right to receive certain things. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. Now, Calm down. Let go of your wallet. I'm not talking about money today. Take a breather. We're not talking about money today. But you need to understand that because of God's kingdom principles, there are certain things that you, that you can cause to happen in your life by what you sow. In other words, if you want to change what you're reaping, then change what you're sowing. If you have trouble, for example, making friends, well, there's a good chance that you have trouble being friendly. You say, no, 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 no. No, pastor, I'm a friendly person. Well, it might seem to you that you're friendly, but it obviously doesn't seem like you're friendly to others because they're turned off by what you present as being friendly. Because if you sow friendliness, the Bible says you will reap friends. If you sow bitterness, you're going to reap bitterness. You'd be surprised at the hard, bitter people who walk away from situations every day talking about the other people who are hard and bitter. They just don't realize that they're reaping what they've been sowing. If you're a person that doesn't give grace to people, it's a safe bet that you don't receive much grace. You see, because our lives are just a series of things that we reap from what we've sown. It's a kingdom principle. I mean, there is no way you can sow kernels of corn and expect to reap okra. It's not going to happen. You can be spiritual. You can love the Lord. You can dance all over this building like Starla does. But if you sow cucumbers, don't expect maters. It's not going to happen. Whatever you plant, that's what's coming up. But here's what's so fantastic. If you spent five years, 10 years, 20 years sowing wrong things, instead of saying, well, it's too late, I'm just going to give up, change your ways. It's never too late to change your ways. God is a God of new beginnings. Now, you may still have to reap some things that are the residuals of past mistakes, but if you will start to change, you will start a new cycle in your life, and it won't be long until you are reaping a new crop. I bet that hurt. Man, that made my head hurt. Poor guy. So in this parable, Jesus is teaching us kingdom principles. <clears throat> and his kingdom operates like a garden. What you put in, you get out. And the thing is, he made you and me the same way. 
What you ultimately experience in your life can be controlled by what you sow into your life. Now, this is a freebie. It's not costing you anything. Discipline will bless you. Discipline is a blessing. It doesn't matter how talented you are. You cannot be a concert pianist if you don't rehearse. But if you will put the time in, you will get results. You will reap what you sow because the kingdom of heaven operates like a man who sowed good seed in his field. Another kingdom principle is that when you sow certain seeds and pray for a harvest, (laughs) well, there are times when God answers with more seed. Say that God's promise is an oak tree. And so you pray for that oak tree. But what does God answer with? An acorn. And this is, important, this is important for us to understand because God's answer may not look like our request. How many people do you know that started the journey, but because they didn't get the answer they wanted to, that they had prayed to God for, they gave up? But you see, God understands the power of the seed. You prayed for a tree and he gives an acorn, so you throw the acorn down and say, God doesn't answer, God's word isn't true, but dummy, there is a tree in that acorn. Despise not the day of small beginnings. God may answer you in something small, but something small can become something really mighty if you by faith will hold on to that thing that he's promised you. You may not have the maturity to handle an oak tree right now. But God's answer may not look like our request, but we need the faith to believe that God gave us what we needed, when we needed it, and the thing, in fact, that we asked for is in God's answer. So in our text, verse 25 says, But while men slept, anyone sleeping today? That's interesting, Benny, because usually you are asleep. (laughs) But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat. Now, notice that the tare was planted among the wheat. And friend, listen to me. This is something you can count on. This is something that you can take to the bank. Anytime you are a productive person, anytime you're someone with great potential, which every person in this room is, you can count on a certain amount of tares being planted in your life. No doubt about it. The tear didn't just grow. It didn't just appear. It was planted. And the thing is, the enemy will come and intentionally plant things to disturb, to assassinate, or discourage the things that God has planted in your life. See, the enemy knew that God was going to use you in a great way. And so he planted certain things to abort what God was wanting to do in your life. There are certain things that were planted in your childhood by the enemy. The whole reason you went through what you went through is because the enemy saw that God had ordained for you to be something great in the kingdom. And the enemy set you up so that you would have that attitude. So you would have to live through that brokenness. So you'd be faced with that complex. So that when you got ready to become what God destined you to be, 
Well, then little negative things that the devil planted when you were five, six, seven, eight, or 18 years old, they began to ignite. And they grew up to try to destroy God's dreams for your life. And then you say, where in the world did that come from? It came from the fact that the enemy knew that God had planted greatness inside of you. And make no mistake, he was out. He is out to destroy you any way he can. And someone here today, the enemy planted, don't let him grow up with a father figure. Someone else he planted, don't let her get that promotion because she's a woman. and It'll affect her outlook. He planted, don't let him have any self-esteem. Or he planted, let her have too much self-esteem. Obviously talking about my sister. Hey, when you're not here, you get shot at. And in Benny's case, you get shot at even if you are here. But friend, you have been anointed. You have been gifted. And Satan is going to do everything he can to make sure there is a conflict in your garden. There is absolutely no way around it. But you see, what catches us off guard sometimes is that it's, it's unexpected. We don't see it coming. But 1 Peter chapter 4.12 says, don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trials, which is to try you. So we shouldn't be shocked when strange stuff starts coming up in our field. And if we'll really pay attention, the timing is very interesting. Just when you're about to really be productive, that's when it always happens. Just about when you're about to realize that thing that you've been praying for for years, expect all hell to break loose in your life. Matter of fact, if you're an optimistic person, it's a sign that you're coming into your season. When you begin to see the tear come up in your field. You see, when good things and bad things are coming up at the same time, what does that mean? That means it's harvest time. It's harvest time. Now, I understand it's an oxymoron. It's a complete contradiction. Two things diabolically opposed, diabolically opposite, happening together. It was the best of times. One writer wrote, and it was the worst of times. I mean, you look on this side over here, and you've got so much to be thankful for. So many things are going right in your life. So many things are falling into place. Those things you've been praying for have finally started to work out, and you're getting to say, oh, yes, life is good. And just when you're getting ready to lie back in your lazy boy recliner and sip a glass of iced tea, the phone rings. Have you ever gotten that call? What do you do? What do you do when you wake up in the morning and something is growing in your garden that you didn't plant. Now, a lot of things in our life can be controlled by changing what we plant. Remember, we discussed this earlier, you reap what you sow. So let's be real. Let's be real. All the problems we face, I mean, the devil really didn't do all those things. 
A lot of things that come up in our life, well, the fact is we brought it on ourselves. If you got arrested at 7-Eleven because you stole cigarettes, that wasn't the devil. That was your stupidity that produced that crop. If you got your girlfriend pregnant, that wasn't the devil. That was your hormones that you couldn't control. Satan didn't make you go 30 miles an hour over the speed limit and get a $400 ticket. That was your fat foot, Jack. Let's be real. So today I'm not talking about the things that we bring on ourselves. We can correct those things by changing our decisions, changing our behavior. We don't need the elders to lay hands on us. We don't need a word of prophecy. We just need to get a grip and pull ourselves together. I mean, because at the end of the, at the, end of the day, friend, you can go back to school and get a degree. If you put in enough applications, you can get a job. I mean, the thing is, though, if the doctor told you to lose weight, it's not going to happen by speaking in tongues. You've got to do it. You've got to change your direction, change what you are sowing. If you don't do it, it's not coming off. You can lay hands on yourself until you have dents in your forehead from your fingerprints, but it's not going to help you to lose weight. I've tried praying the calories out of food. It does not work. I mean, but you know, we church folks, we try to use anointing for everything. Everything we try to use the anointing for, eating cheesecake and binding fat. Surely you don't think I'm kidding. Smoking cigarettes and praying for healing for cancer. I mean, we try to be spiritual when we need to be disciplined. I, I just don't know how my checkbook got all messed up. I do. Just because you have checks in the binder doesn't mean that you can write checks and say, and think the Spirit is going to cover them. It doesn't work that way. And by the way, would you like to know the interpretation of that message in tongues I just gave? Insufficient funds. You don't have to be a prophet to know that one. So a lot of things happen because we reap what we have sown. But there are certain things that happen that just come out of nowhere, out of the blue. And so these guys in our text, they woke up in the morning and said, didn't we sow good seed in that field? And so they immediately realized, hey, we did. And this isn't something that I sowed. They knew this wasn't the residual effect of something that they had put into the ground. So then they took the next step, and then they said, how then does it have tares? Because after all, inquiring minds want to know. God made us to reason, and so we want to know the reason for everything. And until we find a reason, we ain't happy. We want to know the reason for everything. Like, I want to know the reason why my sister defriended me on Facebook. I, 
I can't imagine. Can you? I am so kind and sweet to her. Why would she defriend me on Facebook? I'm joking. I don't have Facebook. I don't think anyone that makes it to heaven is going to have Facebook either. But that's just, that, that, that's not in the Bible. Hey, 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 hey. Calm down. Calm down. That's not in the Bible. The Bible says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. There's a spirit up here. What did you do to this sacred desk? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And so that's the way I've worked mine out. So you let God deal with you. Here I am being stupid and I forgot my place. <clears throat> oh, okay. We as people, we want to know the reason for everything. Remember in John chapter 9, the disciples asked Jesus about this man who was blind, and he said, and they said, Who sinned? His mother or his father that he was born blind. You see, they're trying to make sense out of this man's condition. But Jesus answered them and said, Neither, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Jesus is telling, was telling them and telling us that things can happen that are a setup for God to show himself strong in your life. There are certain situations that occur in your life out of the blue that make absolutely no sense, but God allows them to happen so that he can ultimately receive the glory. In fact, I'll take it a step further and say that God even allows trouble in our life so that he can show us how strong he is. Now, I better prove that before you throw a shoe at me. I already almost had a mutiny over the Facebook stuff. <laughs> my goodness, my goodness, a little touchy today, aren't we? God could have gotten the children of Israel out of Egypt without any problem from Pharaoh. But the Bible says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. God meant for Pharaoh to get mean and nasty and hateful and do everything he could to destroy the Israelites so that God could have an enemy to fight so that the children of Israel could see how strong their God truly was. Because you need to think about it. They hadn't worshipped God for 400 years. And so God said, let me show you what I can do. I'm going to let Pharaoh back you in a corner. I'm going to let him get you to the Red Sea. I'm going to let you be terrified. I'm going to let you panic. But just in the nick of time, when there is seemingly no way out, I'm going to make a way out so that when you get to the other side of the Red Sea, no one is going to have to teach you how to praise me. You're going to know because I have delivered you through the sea on dry land, and you're going to know who your God truly is. Because you will have seen my power, God's power in your problem. Friend, listen to me. God will let you go through the fire just to show you that he's a God over your furnace. God wants you to see his power and his deliverance in your situation. After all, he says, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. So when all hell is breaking loose, God is just creating an opportunity to show you, in fact, that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. You know, you know we want to pray 
Oh, God, 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 don't let any weapon be formed about me. Keep me sterile. Keep me perfected. Keep me clean. But that's not what the Bible says. Weapons are going to be formed, but no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. But you see, we're never going to know how strong our God is until we see what he's delivered us from and delivered us through. But that preaches real good, but still when these things happen to us, we want to understand the situation. We want to understand the why, what's going on. Now, unless you've really experienced this, you, you may not understand, but you're flying at 39,000 feet in the air and you hit a little turbulence. Well, it's not that big a deal. The glass shakes. Maybe, maybe it spills a little bit of your drink, but it doesn't really disturb you. But then if you hit one of those real drops, one that doesn't correct itself very quickly, and you find yourself dropping 100 feet or maybe 150 feet, the terror that grips you is unexplainable. You don't have to crash. The fear of the fall can literally stop your heart from beating. And, and your composure, your cool, it goes right out the window. Or one second you're holding your bundle of joy, that precious little baby. And the next split second, you don't know what happened. You don't understand. But all of a sudden, your baby is tumbling out of your arms. You're driving, minding your own business. Your mind's up in the cloud, but the next thing you hear is a blast of an 18-wheeler air horn right in your left ear. Now, you may be a tough guy. But if you get scared enough, you'll cry for your mama, even if you are 50 years old. You may be a strong, liberated woman, but there are certain things in life that can scare you so bad that it will bring you to your knees. But you see, all of these examples I gave you, we understand the reasons for the fear. We understand the reason why they happened and why we feel the way they do. But equally as heart-stopping, there are surprises that can come upon you, and no one understands what they're about and why you feel the way you do. The kind of fear you get when the doctor says, we checked your blood and there seems to be something abnormal. Now, I'm not saying it through leukemia, but, but we have to check, so in five days we'll let you know. Now, those are the five days from hell. Five days trying to be normal. Five days trying to be rational. Five days trying to have faith. But five days also thinking, hey, I may not make it. Yesterday, we just had my one-year-old, we just had the one-year-old birthday party for my grandson, Shane. Man, the kid made a hole. <sighs> he got so much stuff. Christmas is coming up. He's not spoiled at all. But I just want you to know I'm doing my part. <laughs> Grandpa, Grandpa is stepping up to the plate. But when Shane was born, Cecily and Josh got a call from the Oklahoma State Department of Health telling them that little baby Shane had markers in his blood indicating he had cystic fibrosis. 
and that they needed to bring him in for a test. In 30 days. 30 days! I still get mad thinking about it. Telling a first time mom and dad their precious little baby boy might be infected with a debilitating disease, but they have to wait a month to find out? It was criminal. I wanted to sue them. I was furious about it, not because the disease had done anything to my precious grandson, but because of the paralysis of the fear. And I could not make heads or tails out of it. I just didn't understand. Verse 27 says, how then does it have tears? Anytime you deal with something unexpected, the first thing you want to know is, where did it come from? But then Jesus says, an enemy has done this. And so many times the unexpected things come because the enemy has caused them. And they come because you're about to be productive. God allows them to come so that you can learn Get this, God allows it to come so you can learn the integrity of what he has planted inside of you. Because you are never going to learn the power of what God has placed inside of you until there is a battle over it in your life. And then God allows unexpected things to come so that we can learn faith in a crisis. When the unexpected happens, you don't have time to wait and see if faith develops. Your car hits black ice. You don't have time to pull out and put in a CD of Kenneth Copeland's Faith for Today. You don't have time to rehearse Hebrews. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. You don't have time. Your car is sliding. Your kids are screaming. Most times when things hit, you only have a moment. So either you're going to believe God about it or you're not. You have to make a decision. Either I am going to trust God or I'm not. Either God is God or we need to shut our Bibles and stop wasting our time. And if God is not bigger than the devil, then I need to stop serving God and start serving the devil. But if God is who he says he is, then whatever Satan does to me or whatever you do to me cannot destroy what God has planted and purposed in my life. Somebody, somebody, somebody has to be God in my life and I choose Jehovah. You need to decide this morning. Do you have faith in that unexpected problem? In that surprise? Or do you have faith in God? Because here's the thing, friend. You can't have faith in both of them. If God is God, then serve Him. But if cancer is God, then serve cancer. You have to make up your mind and choose who is your God. Either God is your healer or he's not. 
It also goes for either God is your provider or he's not. You know, I actually had someone say this to me one time. They said, oh, that's easy for you to say. You're a trust fund baby. You don't know my life. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know really hardly anything about me. And you come in at the end of the movie, they're getting ready to run the credits, and you want to use my life as an excuse for your lack of faith? Excuse my language, but shut up. My point is this, in a panic, in unexpected moments, in surprises, you're either going to have faith or you're not. And so God wants us to learn to have faith. Now, I understand that that preach is real good, and that's easy for me to say standing behind the pulpit. But I also know that even when you're trying to have faith, when you're struggling to have faith, the enemy will plant deterrence attempting to keep us faithless. It's a battle. It's a battle. And first of all, your inner drive, like we've already seen, makes you need to understand. How then does it have tears? We have to know why. But then second of all, your inner self-preservation instinct makes you want to fix it. Watch out for quick fixes to unexpected problems. Because, friend, this is one of those times that you cannot trust your first instincts to be the right decision. Because in a panic and fear, you're going to be like the man who jumped on the horse at the intersection and rode off at all directions at once. You'll split apart at the seams. Maybe I should call so-and-so. Maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do that. Well, maybe you should be still and know that he is God. Might be an option. Sometimes we've got to stand still and steady ourselves and allow God's peace to come over us so that we can make a rational decision without being controlled by our roller coaster emotions. And whenever something unexpected hits, waves of emotion come. The servant said in verse 28, Do you want us then to go and gather up the tares? And Jesus said, No, because you'll uproot. The wheat. You see, in surprises, we look for quick fixes. We look to take matters in our own hands, but quick fixes will increase the damage. Listen, you may hate this sermon, and you may send me an ugly email, an ugly text, and that's fine, but I won't respond right away. Because I've had to train myself and train my brain and certainly my fingers to remain calm when I get something ugly. Because the initial response is, I want to instantly dive into the battle. But when I take a second, I mean, maybe I misunderstood. Maybe you really weren't being ugly to me. You meant it to be to Pastor Travis. I don't know. I don't know what your motive is. And so we don't always have all the facts. So watch out for sudden responses and trying to fix something quickly. When they ask the Lord, do you want us to straighten, that, straighten it out? The first thing Jesus said to them is leave it alone. God is saying, be still and know that I am your God and I am bigger than your problem. I am bigger than your circumstance. This is not your battle. You don't have to handle this. This is my battle. 
Now, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you've had to deal with this week. But whatever that thing is that has shocked you, that thing that has blindsided you out of the blue, the battle is not yours. Your battle belongs to God, and God will work it out, and God will give you the victory if you will just believe in Him and trust in Him. Because here's the thing. Straightening it out might be the right thing to do. But how many know that doing the right thing at the wrong time can destroy what God wants to do in your life? You can be right and still be wrong because you don't understand timing. When it comes to kingdom principles, everything is timing. You don't pick an apple before it's ripe. The farmer doesn't till the ground until it's the right season. So not only do you have to say the right thing, you have to say the right thing at the right time. But what do we do? We get antsy. And we think that God needs our help. But God allows the problems to remain in our life because God knows when the proper time to pull the tear is. Moses I mean, there's no doubt he was meant to be the deliverer for the children of Israel. God had ordained his steps to be the one to liberate them. So what does Moses do? He goes out to set them free, but he does it at the wrong time. And he ends up murdering a man because in his flesh he tried to help God out and consequently Moses delayed his mission. He had to get out of Dodge and spend 40 years on the backside of the desert because he did the right thing, but he did it at the wrong time. Who in here can afford to waste 40 years? God said if you handle it your way, you're going to cause damage in the process. We'll let him handle it. He's going to deliver us through it. He'll deliver us in the midst of the storm. He will deliver us in the midst of our enemies. And he will deliver us in the midst of our tears. Okay, well, Mikey, you know, that sounds great. Yeah, I've heard you and things like that. And I've taken a nap with Benny over here, but I've woken back up. And so <laughs> tell me, tell me why you haven't answered the why question. Tell me why God allows these tears to exist in my heart. I mean, finally, I'm about to get it together. And God allows this tear to come up. I have finally got my big date with the prom queen, and I get a pimple right here. Why? You ever wondered? If you don't get anything else out of this message, get this. God knows the integrity, the importance, and the power of what he placed in you. God planted something so special inside of you. Something so grand for you, only you, to accomplish. And he's going to see it come to pass in your life. 
And so God knows that nothing, nothing the enemy does can undermine or abort what he has ordained for you. The devil cannot change God's plan for your life. You are the only one that can change who God called you to be. And so God says, leave it alone. Because it doesn't matter. God says, leave it alone. Because my grace is sufficient. God says, leave it alone because you are more than a conqueror through me. But we say, oh, I, I, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know what's going to happen. My rent is due. But God says it doesn't matter. What? What? Of course it matters. God's all loving. Of course God says that it matters. What I'm trying to get you to see, as long as we talk about wheat and tares, as long as we talk about this parable that we've heard since we were kids in Sunday school, on the surface, we're just going to see vegetables. But I don't want us to see vegetables today. I want us to see real spiritual life today. But pastor, I hear what you're saying. That makes no sense. It's a crisis. It's horrible. It's humiliating. And God still says it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. My life's falling apart. Lord, all hell is breaking loose. I've lost my job. It's two weeks before Christmas. What am I going to do? God still says it does not matter. Now, you're looking at me out there like I have absolutely gone crazy. But that's okay. Because here's what God is really saying. God is saying, my child, I am willing to allow inconvenience in your life right now so that what I have predestined to happen in your life will ultimately come to pass. You're worried about this Christmas, but this Christmas is not the issue. The real issue is what I'm going to do for you on February the 12th at 2.30 p.m. That's going to bless your next 10 Christmases. You're worried about this Christmas, but I'm setting you up for the next decade of holidays for our light afflictions, which are but for a moment, are working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God is setting you up for a miracle. When it seems us, God doesn't care. He cares in the uttermost. He cares that he is setting you up that you cannot fail. That you will overcome. That he will deliver you through the fiery trial as long as we keep our faith in him. But when you deal with the surprise, just wait a minute. When you get bad news, just take a breath. When all hell is breaking loose, just chill for a second. Resist the urge to take matters into your own hands and correct everything. And be still and know that God is up to something. Because if the tear, if that tear was going to stop you from getting where God needed you to go, that is when God would have been ready to help. 
That's when he would keep it from happening. Because the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And God delights in his way. God delights in your way. And so if God allowed it to happen, what does that mean? That means that God is going to deliver you through it. And God is going to receive glory out of it. And so God is saying, I'm going to bless you in a hostile environment. I'm going to let Pharaoh hate you. I'm going to let the terror be planted in your field so that when I get ready to bless you, when my timing is right, everyone will know that it was God who was on your side that allowed you to overcome through Jesus Christ, your Lord. And I am going to show everyone that I am your God. And besides me, there is no other. Bow your heads with me, if you would. You see, if you're a child of God, you can be sure that God will come through for you. There is no doubt. But friend, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, well, you're on your own. And you have no promise from God to stand on. But the good news is, is that you can be born again and every promise in His book can immediately be yours. And the thing is, it's not hard. Jesus Christ died just for you. And all he asks in return is for you to come to him and ask him to forgive your sins. You see, without Jesus, when, when life surprises happen, you have nothing to anchor to. But when you're in Christ, no matter what comes your way, he is with you to see you through. I ask how many wanted a hundred dollar bill every hand in this place would go up but what Jesus is offering today is far more valuable than a hundred dollar bill he is offering you eternal life he is offering offering you joy and peace that passes all understanding he is offering you something to anchor to So if you're here today and you need Jesus to forgive your sins, you're not living like you should. There are things you know aren't pleasing to him. Would you raise your hand to receive the greatest, the greatest thing that you'll ever receive in your life? Thank you. God is wanting to do something special in your life. God has ordained greatness for you. But you have to come to him. Are there others? If you'll raise your hand. Maybe you're here today, and you are a Christian. But you say, Mike, I'm just, I'm up against it. I'm wondering if there are more tares in my field than there are wheat. Well, God is telling you today to hold on and just be still and know that he's God. Maybe with what you're facing, everything that's going on in your life, you're having trouble. You're having trouble having you're having trouble really believing that God is there 
the devil is just working overtime, trying to destroy you and pull you down. If you need God's strength today, if you need God's touch on your life, would you raise your hand? If we want to pray and support for you for what you're going through, yes, yes, yes. Thank you. God has something special. But he's not going to force it on you. You have to ask him. Anyone else? Say, Lord, help me. Help me have faith to get through my unexpected moments. Stand with me, if you would, everywhere. Altar workers, would you come? Take your place around the front. Friend, before it's all over, God is going to take everything that's been against you everything that has hindered you and he's going to give you the victory now these altars are open if you raise your hand for salvation come on don't wait till i finish talking come on these people aren't going to think anything about it they are going to cheer that you are coming to receive christ if you raise your hands that you need strength they're open these people would love to pray with you these are the kindest sweetest people in the world and they would like nothing more than to Singers are going to...